My name is Keith Beavers. I'm just going to say it. The Wheel of Time is better than any other fantasy novel series ever to be written. Okay, go. Whew. Whew. What's going on, wine lovers? Welcome to episode 8 of Vine Pairs Wine 101 Podcast. This is the bonus season. My name is Keith Beavers. I am the tasting switcher of Vine Pair. How you doing? Okay, we got to talk about this thing called Piquette. You may have heard of it, you may have not, but it's coming, it's around, and you kind of, it's going to be around. You should probably know what it is. Let's just bang it out of the park. This episode of Wine 101 is sponsored by E&J Gallo Winery. At Gallo, we exist to serve enjoyment in moments that matter. The hallmark of our company has always been an unwavering commitment to making quality wine and spirits. Whether it's getting barefoot and having a great time, making everyday sparkle with La Marca Prosecco, or continuing our legacy with Louis Martini and Napa, we want to welcome new friends to wine and share in all of life's moments. Interested in trying some of the wine brands discussed on Wine 101? Follow the link in each episode description to purchase featured wines or browse our full portfolio at BarrelRoom.com. Cheers and all the best. You know, every once in a while, the wine world will throw a curveball at you, you know? And it seems like since the organic movement started in the early 2000s, well, actually the late 1990s and then early 2000s, we've seen a big evolution in styles of wine. And we're kind of in a point right now where we're hitting a kind of a peak and then I think sort of a plateau of that movement. Um, And some of these wines out there are a little bit confusing. There's a, there's the term natural wine, which is extremely confusing to everyone. There's the, the orange wine thing, which we covered already. There's this thing called pet nat or petulant natural, which we'll talk about in another episode. And another thing or wine style or word that's been floating around lately is called piquette, P-I-Q-U-E-T-T-E. It's becoming sort of popular. You can find it mostly in, you know, city wine shops and urban environments like New York, San Francisco, Pittsburgh, places like that. But it's working its way around the country what is Piquette? It's not a grape. It's not a region. What is this? It's a style. And we should talk about Piquette because if you're going to see it around, you're going to want to know what it's about. And then you're going to want to make your own decision of like, am I going to drink Piquette? Let's get into it. Okay. So technically what Piquette is, the word Piquette means prickle. And what happens is We know how wine is made, right, guys? Uh, Grapes are pressed, put into a vat. That's called the must. Yeast is entered into the situation. Yeast converts to alcohol. Then we have wine, and we draw the new wine off of the organic material. That organic material is now called pomace, P-O-M-A-C-E. This is going all the way back to the first season here. And often the pomus is used for a couple things. Sometimes it's used as fertilizer or compost to go back into the agricultural side of winemaking. Sometimes it is distilled to make a um, a brandy like wine, especially in Italy called grappa. 
And it's also made into soaps and other stuff like that. But one other thing you can do with pomace. Now, this is the stuff that has, I guess, a whisper of what the wine is. It has nuances of what that wine you just made or they just made is, but doesn't have the full flavor of it. If you were to add water to that pomace, and once the pomace is soaked with water, you do another pressing. You're basically pressing the remnants of what was mixed into the water, and then that can be re-fermented, whether with ambient yeast or yeast added. And what you get is a very thin, lean, almost neutral, hints of fruit, uh, bubbly wine. Because what's happening is the fermentation is happening all over again, but it's happening at a very low rate. If you bottle that, and you can even let it finish fermenting in the bottle and put a crown cap on it, what you have is like the, I don't want to say it's a watered down version of the wine you ha- that, that was made, even though that's literally what it is. You add water to pomace and re-ferment. It's just this very kind of juicy, fun, low alcohol. We're talking like four to maybe nine at the highest percent alcohol wine. And that's basically it. I mean, you know, these are made with red and white grapes. So let's say you have a Cab Franc, a pomace of, of Cab Franc, and you make and you soak it, re-ferment it, and you make this slightly fizzy, bubbly wine. You're still going to get like some fruit flavor and some of the pyrazine sort of peppery notes from that, but it's going to be lean, almost in what uh, Jedi wine master Jansis Robertson calls vinous. If you're... so. Imagine doing it with a white wine grape where you don't really get maceration or color or any of those phenolics. And they're, they're often, when you drink a white wine, let's say that's been aged or um, fermented in stainless steel, you're getting whatever that wine wants to give you without any influence of oak or anything, out, and you're, anything else. And you're get, it's giving you as much as it can give you. So when you make a piquette from white wine grapes, you are getting just a very sort of like almost slightly fruity, more neutral, fizzy drink. It's a fizzy drink. It's not even really wine, technically. And this is where it gets very interesting. And this is where it gets really confusing. But <laughs> this is, I think this is pretty fascinating. The, the, the word piquette, I actually was reading an article from the New York Times from 1976 and this article was about the, um, the, the new French wines that were coming onto the American market. And what was interesting about that is they weren't talking about Burgundy and Bordeaux and Champagne and all these sort of legendary wines that we know from France. They were talking about how France was starting to import their lower price, more affordable wines into the U.S. And when the, the journalist was writing this article, they wanted us to know that just because the wine was not legendary from these places like Bordeaux and Burgundy, it was still, you know, it could be good wine. It was very interesting because as we know now, absolutely, of course, there's wines in all different price points from France that are great on the American market. But in 1976, it was just kind of come on. And one of the things that the journalists used to differentiate good, affordable French wine from 
what we in the United States sometimes called plonk or just like low quality wine, they referred to that low quality wine as piquette. So I found it very interesting. I go looking around and I find that the word piquette has always or often throughout history in France been used to describe wines of not, I guess, you know, low quality, meaning like it just not the best of the best. And I went even further back and you could even go back into the antiquity. You can go into the Roman era where they had a wine they made of this style, but they called it Lorca. And what I find really crazy is that this Piquet style or Lorca was reserved for slaves and farm workers and women. And the reason I say that is because in, in, in antiquity, those three titles were lesser than the Roman men. I mean, you know, that's just the way it was. So it just has this connotation throughout history of a lesser than wine. I also found out that the word piquette is French, of course, but the EU does not allow the sale or export of any wine labeled piquette. So I go online and I start looking for wines imported from France that are piquette and I found none. All I find is piquette from California, from Michigan, from Oregon, from Texas, from Virginia, from Maryland, from Vermont. And, but they're calling it piquette. So I think what's going on here is we, as an American wine-making society, have adopted the word piquette, and we, in this sort of organic, biodynamic, now, quote-unquote, natural wine movement, there is this move to, you know, use the most, get the most out of a wine-making process. And the word piquette, meaning prickle, or, you know, prickly, it worked for the American winemaker to say, oh, we're going to call it piquette because it's a little bit prickly, it's a little bit fizzy. And maybe Lorca was just too ancient. I don't know. I actually did see one on the American market from Slovenia. I find that pretty interesting. But that's interesting, that's, that's interesting right? I mean, Slovenia is calling it piquette as well. The term has become so popular in this, with this style of wine that piquette is now you know, just known. But one thing to understand about Piquette is there is no, there are no real rules. I mean, the there's no appellations, there's no, you know, government anywhere saying anything except for don't sell it if you're in the EU. Um, so what this is, is a fun thing. It's it's something fun that winemakers do to get the most out of their agriculture. I mean, they could do the other things that people do with pomus. They can distill it. They can make it into soaps. They can use it for agriculture, they can, you know, all that. But they decide to, I mean, they can do that after they make the piquette, but they try to just get the most out of the wine. And they're often going to be in, you know, burgundy style bottles. So bottles that look like a Pinot Noir bottle. 
and they're going to always have crown caps on them because they're fizzy, but not so fizzy that they have enough pressure in them like a sparkling wine, which just has the pressure of a, of a tire, of a, of a car. Um, it's going to have kind of like the fizziness of a beer. You pop it up, it just goes, and it's, it's done. And speaking of beer, because it's kind of a new and playful category that is on the modern wine market, you're going to notice the labels are very playful as well. Um, the beer world is going through a very colorful design phase for their labels. And it seems like the Piquette um, category is also having fun with it as well. Uh, the, the thing about Piquette also to understand is that you're not, this wine is not made with, how do I say this? We, when you listen to the champagne or sparkling wine episode, you realize how much work and effort goes into like making wine out of something like that, that kind of pressure, that kind of time, that kind of labor intensive stuff that, that is, that is required to make not only champagne, but other sparkling wines around the world, cava and stuff like that. This is not that you're not going through a labor intensive uh, process to create subtle complexities. You're, you're not doing things that are, you're not doing very critical things in the vineyard or in the winery to make sure that this particular style of wine has like a, a legacy to it. This is literally something fun to do. And the one thing about these wines is, you know, wines like champagne and cava, they're made with such care that while you're drinking the wine, just like any other wine, it does evolve as you're drinking it. Also, these wines age. Piquettes do not age. So they're not complex. They're not age-worthy. They're, they might as well be in the cooler with the beer. They're fun. And they're not, you know, they're, fruit, they're fun, they're fruity. Sometimes they're not fruity. It's a hit or miss depending on who you get it from. But it's not really about like, hey guys, it's a new style of wine. It's going to have a legacy on the American market. And we're going to, that's not what it is. It's, you know, the, the beer world has these things called session beers, like low alcohol beers that you can drink multiple cans or drafts of and, you know, get together with friends and, and not get too crazy and be able to get home and all that. This is, I believe it feels like this is the wine world's answer to session beers. Sometimes piquettes come in cans. So that's kind of what, that's what it is. You know, if you're, we are, we are on a wine journey and we are looking to explore all kinds of different things. And Piquette is just one of those fun things to explore. You don't need to like collect Piquette. It's not going to be a thing, but it's just going to be a fun thing. And either you're, you're going to enjoy it or you're not going to enjoy it. You're going to, you're going to dig the fact that it's just light and fizzy and fun. Or you're going to be like, I'm not getting enough. This is not really what I'm looking for. Again, just like orange wine, every Piquette is different. You know, you, you, you're one you're going to like, one you're not going to like. You may not like any of them, but it's just this new thing playing around in the wine world. I don't know how long it's going to last. It's probably going to be around for a while, but it's a skin, it's, it's kind of being promoted as a skin contact wine, and that's not necessarily true. It technically is skin contact, but you're actually just re-fermenting water and whatever you can press out of the pumice. Okay, and that's just about it. If I keep on talking about Piquette, I'll keep on repeating myself, but so we got a gist of it, and I... 
I wanted to do this episode because I wanted you guys to know what you're looking at when you see it in a wine shop and you know what you're enjoying when you enjoy it. Find Pear Keith is my Insta. Rate and review this podcast wherever you get your podcasts from. It really helps get the word out there. And now for some totally awesome credits. Wine 101 was produced, recorded, and edited by yours truly, Keith Beavers, at the Vine Pair headquarters in New York City. I want to give a big old shout out to co-founders Adam Teeter and Josh Mallon for creating Vine Pair. And I mean, big shout out to Danielle Grinberg, the art director of Vine Pair, for creating the most awesome logo for this podcast. Also, Darby Seaside for the theme song. Listen to this. And I want to thank the entire Vine Pair staff for helping me learn something new every day. See you next week. This episode of Wine 101 is sponsored by Ian J. Gallo Winery. At Gallo, we exist to serve enjoyment in moments that matter. The hallmark of our company has always been an unwavering commitment to making quality wine experience. Whether it's getting barefoot and having a great time, making every day sparkle with La Marca Prosecco, or continuing our legacy with Louis Martini and Napa, we want to welcome new friends to wine and share in all of life's moments. Interested in trying some of the wine brands discussed on Wine 101? Follow the link in each episode description to purchase featured wines or browse our full portfolio at barrelroom.com. Cheers and all the best.